In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The Church gives us in our Gospel today great proof of one fact, that our Lord Jesus Christ would fit in very poorly in a professional Northern Virginian world, would fit in very poorly indeed. We get to look today at his plan for expanding the reach of his gospel, for expanding the message that he preaches. And according to worldly wisdom, we would be hard-pressed to find a plan that works less. Our Lord Jesus takes these 72 disciples who are not the apostles. These are not the people who have been closest to him from the beginning. These are some of his disciples who have been following for a slightly shorter amount of time. We learn from people like Papias of Hierapolis, who's writing in the second century, and Irenaeus of Lyon, writing in the same time, that these 72 disciples, who are kind of the first proto-group of what would later become the priests and presbyters, that these 72 disciples would have been following Jesus for something less than a year. Something less than a year they would have known him. And Jesus takes these 72 and he sends them out to preach with nothing. With no money, with no provisions, with no food, with no extra clothing, with nothing at all. And when he tells them what they are to do, he gives them this list. He says, eat what is set before you in every town you go, cure the sick in it, and proclaim that the kingdom of God is at hand. You can imagine if you're one of these 72 disciples hearing this being said, you would want to stop the Lord and say, wait, hold on, cure the sick. I've only just met you. I barely understand your preaching, Lord, and you want me to cure the sick. Are you going to show us at some time how exactly we're to go about that? What words we're to use, what protocols? And Jesus does not. And then when they come back, having succeeded, he takes the credit for himself. <laughs> they come back and they say, Lord, even the demons are subject to us because of your name. And he says, I know, I gave you that power. That's for me. That's a very odd way to go about building an effective organization. My goodness. No trainings, no orientations, no protocols, no support, no follow-up. And when your people succeed, you take the credit. This doesn't work. Not according to the logic of the world. But our Lord Jesus Christ is not a fan of the world's logic. He's not a fan of the world's logic. He works by his own logic. He works by the logic that is true reason. The reason of the mind of God. Because our Lord Jesus Christ is not so concerned with skill or competence as he is with fidelity and trust and love for his name, belief in its power above all things. We are the ones, we are the ones who are concerned with competence, we're concerned with skill making sure everything goes exactly the way we think it should, according to the world's logic. 
But if we wish success in the spread of the name of Jesus, if we wish success in any work that has to do with God, the first and most important thing will be, do we love the Lord Jesus above all things? Do we honestly love him with our whole heart? Do we trust that even when the things of the world fail us, even when we don't have all the money we think we need, even when we don't have all the provisions we think we need, even when we don't have all of the support or instruction that we think we need, do we trust that the Lord Jesus is the one who cares for us and who provides for us in every situation? And will we remain faithful to his name? Will we remain faithful to his name? Because it's his name that carries the power. It's his name that casts out demons. It's something that uh, you end up pretty familiar with as a priest, not casting out demons. I promise I'm not the exorcist um, at all, though they do exist. Is knowing that the Lord has given you a capacity that you could never have earned. No matter how long a person might train, you could never become so competent in the things of God that you gain the capacity to forgive somebody's sins. You could never become so perfect in your understanding of how the Holy Spirit works and so skilled in dealing with him that all of a sudden you could gain the power to transform bread and wine into the body and blood of God. Those things come from the power of the Lord's name alone. But that's true for all of us. That's true for all of us. And thanks be to God. Because in our mad area, where we are so concerned with competence and success, we end up carrying a great deal of pressure on our souls. We end up carrying this pressure to prove ourselves, to ourselves and others, to leave our mark on the world, to gain results, to make sure things go a certain way for us. But it is not the Lord who demands these things. The Lord doesn't demand from us great results in the world. He doesn't demand from us perfection in the task ahead of us, at least in the eyes of the world. The Lord's not impressed with our accomplishments. He wasn't asking for them. But rather, he has loved us perfectly from the beginning and poured himself out for us and asks only that we love him in return and remain close to him. And if we do this, he'll take care of everything else and will provide for every success that is in accord with his will. And what's more, bring us into heaven, where the only measure of success will be our charity. And that's what ensures our place in heaven. Not so much what have we accomplished in the world, but how much have we loved God and our neighbor? How much have we loved God for his own sake and our neighbor for God's sake? And that is a great relief. Because no matter where we are, no matter what opportunities or authority or power we have, we can always accomplish the things that matter most to God. Who are the greatest saints in recent memory? I remember it was uh, 
Pius XII, who called St. Therese of Lisieux the greatest saint of the 20th century. And I am likely to agree with that, not only because I'm agreeing with Pius XII, who's much more intelligent than me, but also because it's probably true. And St. Therese, we know, was not somebody who went out into the world preaching on street corners, converting great masses of people. Therese was a young girl in France who died at the age of 24, having lived only in one convent, in one small town in France. But because she loved God with such fire, and because she trusted his name so perfectly, she became not only a great saint, but one of the greatest saints, and the patron of missionaries, in fact, from her little enclosed space. She became a giant of the spiritual life and a master of the theological world, a true doctor of the church. We look at the movements throughout the history of the church that survive and provide great fruit. We find that it might not be those that were best supplied or best planned. It might be the movements like those of St. Francis, who simply with a burning love of Jesus went out to follow him in every way he could and so drew hearts along after him and left an indelible mark on the Christian world. People like St. Dominic, who went out with friars begging in the streets for their sustenance, powered only by their fidelity to truth. And that fidelity brought back so many souls to Jesus. St. Teresa of Calcutta is famous for saying, Jesus does not ask for success. He asks for fidelity. What a relief. What good news. That at the heart of reality, we are not expected simply to make things work by our own power, but to know, love, and serve God in this life, to be happy with him forever in the next. To Jesus Christ be glory in the church now and forever. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.